And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to, and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's a detective adventure with Ellery Queen from 1945. Then... Barbara Stanwyck guest stars on the Jack Benny program from 1943. But first, let me say hello to my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl, Hi, Dimply. What's going on? What's going Good on? Good to see you again. Thank you. Glad you to weren't be here back. for two weeks, well, traveling the world, know. I'm guessing. Uh, what? Traveling the world in oh, your yeah, airplane. I was very busy. I with your entourage. And I went across the country. Yeah. You're... Other countries. Yeah. I'm really busy. Really? Yeah. But I'm, I'm back. You're back. Okay. Well, that's good because Rare the listeners go. love Lisa Wolf. <laughs> All right. On this edition, we're going to listen to the adventures of Ellery Queen to start things off. This was a detective series came to radio in 1939 and lasted until 1948. The series invited a panel of armchair detectives to solve each case during the broadcast. Very interesting, Lisa. Ellery Queen, who was often called into cases by his police inspector father, Richard Queen, uh, was there to, of course, help the armchair detectives. Ellery's assistant and love interest was Nikki Porter. Hugh Marlowe, Carlton Young, Sidney Smith, Lawrence Dobkin, and Howard Culver all played Queen over the run. It was sponsored by Golf Oil, Bromo Seltzer, and Anison. And there was a TV series that began in 1975 starring Jim Hutton and David Wayne. But we have a radio episode for you now, going back to a broadcast date of November 7, 1945. This is called The Adventure of the Message in Red. And it stars Sidney Smith. Here's part one of Ellery Queen. Now, Ellery Queen in The Adventure of the Message in Red. Anison presents The Adventures of Ellery Queen. Tonight, the makers of Anison bring you another thrilling adventure of Ellery Queen, the celebrated gentleman detective. Ellery Queen invites you to match wits with him as he relates another story of a crime he alone unraveled. Before revealing the solution, he gives you a chance to solve the mystery. Tonight, Anderson's guest, who will represent you home armchair detectives, is the famous actor, Victor Jory. And now, here's Ellery Queen, master detective, and your Anderson host for the next half hour. Thank you, Don Hancock, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, tonight's mystery really had my father going. Your father, huh? Oh, Nicky. I suppose all those murders were duck soup for you, huh? Oh, no, 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 Nicky, this case was no harder than many I've had. <laughs> uh, no. Anyway, I call it The Adventure of the Message in Red. Hotel Arbutus, public stenographer. Yes, I'm Miss Kirby. At this hour, but... All right. 
If you drop into my office right away, I'll I'll try to get it out tonight. Oh, why can't they just take their old business letters during the day? Oh, gee, I'm tired. I'd better douse my eyes with cold water. I'm so sleepy I could... So soon. Coming. Gee, they must have used a house phone from the lobby. Come in, won't you? <gasps> Now, who's there? Huh. Nobody out here. Oh. Now, who'd be using that talky thing from the vestibule? Nobody does. Yes? Yes, this Miss Hazel? But at this time of night? I was just going to bed. Been washing my supper dishes. All right. If they've just got to have a reader's report on it by tomorrow morning, just open the vestibule door, and my apartment's the first door on your right. Would be my luck if it's one of those half a million word jobs. Just a second. Oh, I wish I were in the land of cotton. Old times there are not... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all you've got to tell me, Pinkett? Call back when you make sense. Sorry, I hurried to keep you and Eggie waiting. Those two killings last night, Dad, huh? Yes. Lasted. What two killings, Inspector? I haven't seen today's paper. Two girls, Nicky. First one, a public standard with the Hotel Arbutus on Exxon Avenue. Shot to death at 9.15 p.m. Name of Kirby. Second one, a part-time manuscript reader for Mason and Morris and the publishers of Miss Hazel... Shot to death around 10.30 p.m. in our Greenwich Village apartment. Both has opened their doors. No evidence of robbery. Both unmarried, unattractive, no entangling alliances. Lived alone. No witnesses, no clues, no motive. And the girls never knew each other. Never knew any of the same people. Cute? Then the murders aren't connected, Inspector. But they are, Nicky. Ballistics reports the same gun killed both of them. I don't wonder you're puzzled. I think it's a nut kill myself, Elry. Yes, really? Afternoon, Sergeant. Hi, Mr. Porter. My strong. Oh, Sergeant. Inspector. No, what? No. What? Another one. No. What? Yeah, a girl shot to death. She answered her door around 1 a.m. last night. Body wasn't found till this morning. Ooh, number three last night. Who's this one, Bailey? Ladies' maid, Lucille Du... Du Bois. Uh, du Bois, Sergeant French. Yeah, yeah, French maid. Worked for the Canellas. Canella? The, uh, Vetti Vetti Canella? The same. She was shot in the Canella house, Sergeant. Yeah, that 199-room shack on Upper Fifth Avenue. In her bedroom. A stenographer, a publisher's reader, and a ladies' maid... Mind if I sit in, Dad? You can make any sense out of it, son. Come on. Oh, my poor, poor head. My home overrun with police officers. I've had to cancel the most important appointment this afternoon with my hairdresser. And Mrs. Canella, if you let me my get away... My husband is simply furious. My daughter, poor child, prostrate. <clears throat> Look, Mrs. Canella... And I'm uh... on the verge of losing what little mind I have. Mrs. Canella. You understand, Mr. Crean. I know you do. The death of your maid has upset you, naturally. Oh, yes. Where am I going to turn? How can I replace Lucille? You don't know the trouble I had getting her originally. And now she's dead. 
It's not fair. It isn't. Uh, the trouble is, gentlemen, you don't know the problems we girls oh, have. Yes, yes. Uh, look, madam, how did this happen? I'm sure I don't know. People shooting off guns in my home and everything. I'm so glad I wasn't home when it happened, even though the house is completely soundproof. Your husband, will you, madam? Uh, Mr. Connell? Mr. Oh, no, no, he was out somewhere. His club or something. How about your daughter? Madge. Oh, now, please, don't drag poor Madge into this. She suffered so much already. When did you first learn your maid was dead, Mrs. Canella? About 11 o'clock this morning, Mr. Creighton. When she didn't bring my breakfast in bed, I knew instantly something was wrong. Well, of course. That's the way you tell. Oh, yes. I rang and I rang and I rang. Uh, Mrs. Canella, who found the stiff? Stiff? The remains, madam. Oh, oh, why, my daughter. One of the servants told Madge that Lucille's light was still on this morning, and she didn't answer the door. So Madge went up to the servants' quarters and went in, and the poor child, the poor, poor child. That's why no one answered my rings, you see. Uh, Leaving you without breakfast. Oh, that's simply frightful, Mrs. Connelly. Yes. Well, suppose you have a little snack of caviar and cold pheasant or something while we hunt up your daughter. Oh, dear. Must you? Must we what, madam? Give Madge the, the third degree or whatever it is. You, you, you don't know how sensitive the child is. She's always been so delicate. She shrinks so from the more brutal aspects of life. Oh, mother, stop drooling. Drool- oh, oh, Madge, darling, are you all right, dear? Definitely not. Are these some more policemen? Who's the wench, a sob sister? Um, the wench is Nicky Porter, Mr. Queen's secretary. Ellery Queen. Sergeant Villing. Inspector Queen. Now, Miss Canella. And you're in charge. Why isn't that body taken away and who's going to clean up the mess? And you're to keep reporters out, too, do you hear? Thing like this happening now. Do you hear me? No, newspaper men. Oh, dearest, don't excite yourself. Oh, shut up, Mother. All this is your silly fault anyway. My fault. Yes, I told you long ago you should send that snoop packing, but no. You had to hang on to it till she had the bad taste to get herself murdered all over our house. What am I going to say to Evie? Evie? My fiancé. Three star engagement was supposed to be announced this week. One of the very best Boston families. He'll never stand for a scandal. Why should you think there's going to be a scandal, Miss Canella? Oh, well, isn't a murder scandal enough? I don't think that's what your daughter meant, Mrs. Canella. Yeah? Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. I, I didn't mean anything. Let's take a look at the corpse. Interesting. What, Ellie? Notice the facing surfaces, the tips of her index and middle fingers, Dad, on the right hand. Oh, calloused. Only place for calluses? Yes. If you gentlemen are through admiring Miss Dubois' calluses, would you mind covering up again so I can turn around? Hmm? Oh, all right now, Nicky. But how do you know this maid's murder is connected with the other two murders? Bradley was here early and dug the bullet out of her chest, Nicky. Ballistics just reported it came the same gun that shot the Kirby and Hazel girls. Just what the connection is, I'm blessed. Oh, Vili? Yeah, you throw with the carpets, Inspector. The morgue wagon's here for the pickup. Take her away. Uh, she's all yours, boy. Uh, what did you find out about the other servants, Sergeant? Uh, names? Uh, Butler, James Smathers, Cook, Sally Fabian, Chauffeur, Waller, Boyle. Upstairs maid, Vera Andorf. Uh, Smathers and Boyle share a double room, so do the Fabian and Andorf woman. Uh, each bunkie alibis the other for last night. Period. Mother, you know you shouldn't be up here. It's just your morbid curiosity. Oh, I don't know why you say such things to me, Madge, baby. Oh, look what they're doing. Stay out here in the hall, Margaret. You too, Madge. Oh, Inspector Queen. Who are you? I'm Milford Canella. My wife just phoned my club. 
Is there anything I can do? Uh, excuse me, folks. I'm Kay Boyce. Take her through. Oh, Madge, I can't look. Oh, poor Lucy. Be yourself, Mother. Oh, Mr. Canella, we were just... Pardon me. Harry, what's that you just picked up? Oh, well, this piece of scrap paper was hidden by Lucille Dubois' body, Dad. A message in red. Uh, red? Message. Let me see. It is red, is it? Oh, oh, it is. Written in blood. She must have lingered a few minutes after the shot. When that killer left, she tried to write something before she died. What's it say, Elry? Mm, starts with a capital M, but there are a lot of spatters in the paper, and I can't quite make the rest out. I'll have Cranley look it over in the police lab. He'll decipher it. Give it to me, son. Right, it's quite important that you make a quick arrest, Inspector. What's that mean, Mr. Canella? I, well, I expect very shortly to be appointed to an extremely important diplomatic post abroad. So this unfortunate little affair must be cleared up at once. And without scandal. Milford has worked so hard for the honor. Yes, it's been father's pet dream. In fact, Inspector, unless you solve this case within 24 hours, I may have to see to it that, uh, that someone else is put in charge. Come, Margaret. Matt. And father's just the little guy who can do it. I... Why, oh, uh, Dad. Harry, where are you going? I have to confirm a theory, Dad. Theory? About what, son? About the connection between the three murders last night. I think I know now what it was. <laughs> Anybody care to come along? It's a short time later, and the inspector's car, with Sergeant Bealey at the wheel, is threading its way through midtown Manhattan traffic. But what is the connection, Ellery? Well, how'd you know, Maestro? Well, what was the occupation of the first victim, the Kirby girl? At least in Adler. And the second one, Miss Hazel? The Greenwich Village gal? Or she was a part-time manuscript reader for Mason and Morrison. A public stenographer, a publisher's reader. Now, Dad, do you recall the peculiar calluses we found on Lucille Dubois' right hand? And the facing sides of the tips of her index and middle finger. What very ordinary activity, if sufficiently prolonged, would cause calluses there? Holding a pen or a pencil. Yes, Nikki, writing. But not casual writing, like the occasional writing of letters. Lucille Dubois was writing a great deal for a long time. Weeks, months. A diary. Perhaps, at least a very extensive manuscript in longhand, Sergeant. So, we have Lucille Dubois, lady's maid in a very wealthy society family, writing a long manuscript by hand. When it was finished, what would happen to such a manuscript? You take it to a public stenographer. To be typed. Surely, the unfortunate Miss Kirby. And where do people usually take type manuscripts? To a publisher. And most publishers employ readers to weed out undesirable submissions. And that's your Miss Hazel of the village. Simple? Maestro, you're a genius. <laughs> the man that girls are probably the only three people in the world who've read a certain unpublished manuscript. And that's why they were murdered. Man, it must be dynamite. The killer must have swiped it probably from the Hazel girl's apartment in the village after he bumped her off. And destroyed it, Danny. Yes, but there's still a possibility that something... Well, here we are, Maestro. Uh, here's Rockefeller Center. Come on. I must say, Mason and Morrison go in for book publishing in a large and handsome way, Ellery. <laughs> They're a bit on the sensational side, Nikki. Oh, uh, Miss Jenkins? Yes, Alberta Jenkins. Are you the assistant editor to my son's book on the receptionist phone? Yes, and you must be Inspector Queen. That's right. I must say, I'm all of a flutter. Am I arrested? <laughs> Not exactly, Miss Jenkins. Uh, Did you bring the list I asked you for? Here it is. All the manuscripts turned over to Miss Hazel the past few months for a reader's report. Let me see, Ellery. Say, she read a lot, doesn't she? Mm, it'll be quite recent, I think. Ah, look at this entry, Dan. Maitelzor. I... Lucille Dubois. Wow. wow. Miss Jenkins, where's this manuscript? Are you sure Miss Hazel didn't return it to Mason and Morrison? 
I'm pretty sure she didn't expect it, but come into my office. No, it isn't here. Oh, no. But I just remembered. Where is that again? Remembered what, Miss Jenkins? There was a letter from Miss Hazel in this morning's mail. I've been so busy today, I... Here it is. Still unopened. Damn it, give that to me, I... baby. Look. Hey, Miss Jenkins. Enclosed is a short preliminary report and three of the last batch of manuscripts. I will personally deliver the manuscripts, plus four reports, later this week. The enclosed thumbnail reports cover number one... Give back my lover by Flo Gently. Romance in a phone booth, my judge had bag, wow. And The Maid Tells All by Lucille Dubois. No. no. Uh, Miss Jenkins, would you mind leaving us for a moment? I certainly do mind, Mr. Queen, but... Well... Where's that report the Hazel woman enclosed? Ah, here. Now we'll find out. A Maid Tells All. Sensational true life story of high life as seen from backstairs. Style is faulty. Author obviously thinks in French, but might be worth a rewrite. Possibly high sales appeal, but must be screened carefully by legal departments against libel suits. That's all. Maid's manuscripts filled a lot of nasty, unsuspected stuff about the Canellas. It would have cost Milford Canella that high diplomatic post he's been angling for. Or Madge Canella, her blue-blood Boston marriage. Yes, yeah, somehow the killer discovered what Lucille was writing, who typed her manuscript, and the name of the publisher she sent it to. And through the publisher, which reader had it? So he's got a wipeout whoever run it. Steno, wham. Reader, wham. And he swipes the manuscript from her apartment. Then he goes back to the Canella dump and blasts Lucille in the secret society. Ah, uh, too safe, blasted. I thought we might find a clue here to the killer's identity. But apparently the whole Canella family has motive. Stymied. Let's go down to headquarters. Maybe the autopsy's turned up something. Don't drive so fast, Sergeant. You just passed a snail. Yeah, there's nothing to rush for, Miss Porter. You could only see some daylight. In this darkness, Inspector? At least I'm enjoying this ride on the East River Drive. Or I would be if the great man's thoughts weren't... <laughs> of course. Of course. Oh, Mr. Queen is with us again. Why are they not? The answer, Dad, it's right in your pocket. What answer? To the triple header, Maestro. My pocket. I forgot. You forgot. We all forgot, Dad. A certain message in red. Holy. That dang message Lucille wrote in her own blood. Say. The one we couldn't decipher. And I put it... Ah, here. What's the matter with me? Billy, get down to headquarters. Quick. Yeah, man. If anybody can make it out, it's that whistling lab. Men, we're in. Sailing, sailing over the mountain. You're happy enough. What's eating you now, Sam? A car right in our trail coming up fast. Some drunk who wants to race. With a police car out. Billy, Billy, he's out to wreck us. Oh, yeah? He's going faster. Look out, Jordan. Why the... One piece. Sorry. I'm okay, too. Inspector. Uh, no, no bones broken, Bailey. Uh, Ellie. Uh, my miracle, we're all all right. Oh, Bailey, that was quick thinking. Oh. Certainly was. Oh. Yeah, if it weren't for the way you took that crash, Sergeant, we've been through the retaining wall at the bottom of the river. Thanks, but 
Look at the car, Inspector. Never mind the car. Why? Dad, Lucille's message. Huh? All three Canellas were present when I found it under Lucille's body this afternoon. One of them must have trailed us. Waiting a chance to destroy Lucille's clue before we could get it to headquarters. Then the killer is one of the Canellas. And her message tells which one. Hey, the car, Vili. Let's get to that lab. Sergeant. Well, Vili. What's the lab verdict? Well, it's this way. Sergeant. No good. Kind of looks like a puzzler, Inspector. Uh, never mind characterizing it, Billy. What did they say the message is? Uh, it starts with a capital M, Maestro, like you said, then a period. M period, yes. Then a space, then a capital K, then a small I N, the N trailing off like she died before she could finish the word. And that's all. Capital M period, space... Okay, small I-N. Capital K, small I-N. The start of the name Canella. No doubt about it, Nicky. But what's the capital M period space mean? That's name Canella. M period must be the initial of one of the Canella's first names. Milford Canella. M for Milford. Well, the daughter's name also starts with an M, Nicky. Madge. Well, then it's either Madge or old man. Uh, let's not leave out Mrs. Canella. Don't you recall Canella addressing his wife as uh, Margaret? Frost. Another washout. Again, it could be any of the three. Let's go back to the Canella house. I'll find out which one it is. That's the first portion of Ellery Queen. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to the adventures of Ellery Queen. Good evening. Oh, dear. Back Inspector Man again. And that nice Mr. Queen, etc. Well, Inspector, have you cleared up this mess? Where were you three late this afternoon and early evening? Where were you? Uh, why, uh, I, I needed air. I was strolling in uh, Central Park. Alone, Mrs. Canella? Yes. How about you, Mr. Canella? Well, as a matter of fact, I took a walk myself down Fifth Avenue. Very upsetting business, you know. Meet anybody you know, Mr. Canella? No. And you, Miss Canella? I took one of our cars and drove around town for a while just to uh, cool off. <laughs> I'd had a phone call from dear, dear Evie in Boston. My daughter's fiancé told her they'd better wait about announcing the engagement until this uh, th- this miserable affair blows over. I knew it. I just knew it. Uh, aren't we getting off the track? No alibis. Hey, Ellery. Anything to ask these three people before I take them downtown for a real going over? No, but uh, why do you want to take them to headquarters, Dad? Why do I? To find out which one of them bumped off the Kirby and Hazel girls and Mrs. Canella's maid. That's why. Oh, I can tell you that, Dad. Right here and now. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the mystery. Now, suppose you home armchair detectives match wits with Anison's guest for this evening. And tonight, ladies and gentlemen, our guest, the famous actor of stage, screen, and radio, is Mr. Victor Jory who is starring on Broadway in the hit play, Therese. Good evening, Mr. Joy. It's nice to have you with us. Mr. Joy, I guess tonight's show is a change for you, isn't it? It certainly is. 
Because generally I'm on the other end. I'm the prisoner's done the murdering, Hillary. <laughs> well, you always are the criminal, but you're always so wonderful, too. <laughs> well, thank you, Nikki. Uh, I hope you'll like me just as well in the role of detective. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, Mr. Joy, who do you think murdered the three women? Well, I'm not very sure. I think it was the mother, Why? Margaret Canella. Why do you think that? My only reason for thinking that is because the, uh, Milford Canella, uh, suspicion is planted on him instantly by the fact that he says that he has a very important post and it's very valuable to him. The daughter banks that, backs that up. The mother has said nothing. Furthermore, the mother's alibi, uh, being in Central Park seems to me one that could be shaken less easily than the man who walked down Fifth Avenue, which might be checked on, or the girl in the car because the car could be checked on afterwards. Thank you, Mr. Jory. <laughs> All right, son. You know which of these respectable citizens killed the three girls? Sing out. A bad. What was the message Lucille Dubois left in her own blood? Start of Achilles' name. Capital M period, space, capital K-I-N for Canella. Yes. But what did the capital M period stand for? Well, it could only mean the initial of one of the Canella's first names, Ellery. How can it possibly represent one of the first names, Nicky? Milford, Madge, Margaret. All M's. If Lucille had presence of mind enough to write that message, certainly she wouldn't have left an ambiguous clue. A clue that could refer to any of the Canellas. So when she wrote that capital M period, she didn't mean the initial of one of their first names. She meant some other abbreviation. One she thought would be perfectly clear. What, Marshal? Well, Sergeant, what abbreviation, other than a first initial, usually precedes a last name? Huh? Abbreviation for Mr., Mrs., or Miss. Oh, no, that that would be MR, MRS. And Miss has no abbreviation. Oh, so it can't be that either, Ellery. It can't stand for Mr., Mrs., or Miss in English. But how about French? French? Mrs. Canella's maid was French. And that reader's report in her book actually remarked that the author obviously thinks in French. What's the French abbreviation for Mrs.? Any schoolboy knows that. Capital M, small M-E for madam. Miss, capital M, small L-L-E for mademoiselle. But for mister, monsieur, it's simply capital M, period. Get him, Billy. I'll see you all settle for this. Oh, yeah. I disagree, Mr. Canella. If anyone's going to sizzle, it's you. And there, ladies and gentlemen, you have the solution to our mystery. We'd like to thank Mr. Jory for being our guest armchair detective this evening. And as mementos of the occasion, Anison has for Mr. Jory a beautiful Gruen, very thin wristwatch, a copy of my new mystery anthology, Rogue's Gallery, and a subscription to Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. This is Ellery Queen saying good night for Anison. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's The Adventures of Ellery Queen from November 7, 1945, with The Adventure of the Message in Red, starring Sidney Smith. Also in that cast, Santos Ortega, Ted DeCorsia, Raymond Edward Johnson, who was Raymond, our host on Inner Sanctum Mystery, and Gertrude Warner, who for a while was the lovely Margot Lane on... The Shadow. And the guest armchair detective on that program was Victor Jory, who played The Shadow 
in the serials. You know, there was um, the continuing serials in the movie theaters. Victor Jory played the shadow in those filmed serials. That was sponsored by Anison. It's heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Just a minute. We're going to tune into part one of the Jack Benny program, but I want to remind all of our listeners that we have a website. It is Hollywood360radio.com. And when you go there, not only is there a podcast of the show, but you're going to see a banner for our cruise, right, Lisa? So excited. We're going to visit the Caribbean on Royal Caribbean Cruise Line, and we're going to go to a few islands. We're going to have some classic radio fun and enjoy the city that is on this boat. Yep, the Symphony of the Sea. It's the largest passenger ship in the world, and all of you listening are invited to come with us. Now, how do you do that? Well, just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. You're going to see a banner for our cruise, which is February 16th through the 23rd of 2019. And we are going to have all kinds of fun things with Classic Radio. It's really a Classic Radio cruise. So just click on the banner. It will take you to Kelly Cruises who is our exclusive travel partner on this cruise. And you can learn all about it, all the destinations, the cost. And it takes out of Miami, and it's seven full days and nights. Be with us February 16th through the 23rd on our classic radio cruise. We would love for you to join us. All right, it's time now for the Jack Benny program. Now, Mary Livingston is... Sick. She's not on this show. So guess what? They have Barbara Stanwyck, who came and guest starred and plays Mary's part on this episode of the Jack Benny program. Very funny. Let's go back to November 28, 1943, for part one of the Jack Benny program. The Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our... Oh, Don. Don Wilson. Yes? I'm Barbara. Barbara Stanley. Oh, hello, Barbara. Thank you. Thank you. Say, Don, Jack called me about a half hour ago and told me that Mary had laryngitis, and he wanted to know if I'd come down and take her place. Well, that's awfully nice of you, Barbara, although... We're very sorry to hear about Mary. By the way, did you see Jack? Yes, he's out in the hall talking to Dennis. I heard Dennis asking him for a raise. Yes, yes, I know. The kid tried to get a raise last week, but now he's willing to compromise. He only wants half as much. If I know Jack, he's holding out for unconditional surrender. (laughs) That'll go on for weeks. Uh, But you've certainly got to admire Dennis. His motto is, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Well, Mary tells me he doesn't stand a chance, because Jack's motto is... If at first you don't get it, you just don't, brother. (laughs) I feel sorry for the boy. Uh, So do I. You know, Barbara, it's hard to believe that Jack is so cheap. Cheap? Oh, listen, Don, I've known him for years. Remember that girl he used to go with, Gladys Zabisco? (laughs) Remember? Yes. Well, Jack broke up with her because she moved to a 10-cent telephone zone. (laughs) What a guy. Say, Phil, did you ever ask Jack for a raise? Yeah, but I had to cut it out. It's habit-forming. Oh. Well, anyway, Phil, you've got no kit coming. You're doing all right, aren't you? Yeah, but what am I going to do if Alice quits working? (laughs) You'll be out in the hall where Dennis is. Gee, they've been out there three hours already. I wish they'd get it settled one way or the other so that we could get on. 
Yes, I know, Mr. Benny, but my mother said I really your do deserve... Your mother, a... your mother. Now, look, kid. Look, kid, you've been on this program four years. Now, when you first came to work for me, I paid you only $30 a week. That's right. And what am I paying you now? 35 <laughs> Well, there you are. Where? <laughs> now, look. Look, Dennis. From the day you came to work for me, I've always had your interest. Hiya, Jack. Hello, Fibber. Now, Dennis, look. <laughs> I've always looked out for your interest. And I always... But my thought... mother's worried about my salary. Your mother, your mother. Well, it's quite a problem with her. She talked to Mr. Anthony twice. <laughs> well, your mother had no right to discuss our business. Now, you listen to me, Dennis. I'm paying you... Ooh, my arm. Oh, pardon <laughs> Pardon me. Pardon me, kid. Now, look. Look, Dennis, you're getting $35 a week, aren't you? Yes, but I've got a cousin who makes $40 a week, and he's a shoe salesman. All right. All right, your cousin makes $40, and he's a shoe salesman. That means he has to work every day in the week for it. Now, you don't work Monday, do you? No. You don't work Tuesday? No. You don't work Thursday? You forgot Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. No. <laughs> Now, look, you don't work Friday and you don't work Saturday. The whole week is almost over and you haven't worked yet. Gee, I'm a bum. <laughs> no, no, you're not, Dennis. You're not a bum. What I'm trying to explain is... Oh, officer, would you please keep this crowd moving? Yes, sir. Come on, everybody. Break it up. Move along. Break it up. Come on. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Dennis, Dennis, where are you? I'm in the crowd. <laughs> Come back here. Hmm. What were you doing in that crowd? I was telling them my side of the story. <laughs> Never mind that. Now, Dennis, I don't want you to think that I'm turning down your raise. But let me give you the reason why. You see, kid... Ooh, your glasses are hurting my nose. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. Excuse me, Dennis. Now, listen, kid. Money isn't everything. There are other things to consider, like, uh... Like, uh... Well, let me put it to you in another way. You see... What was wrong with that way? Nothing. For all the trouble I have, it's a wonder I'm not losing my hair. You see, Dennis, your song only runs two minutes. And for that, you get $35. That's $17.50 a minute. Now, there's 60 minutes every hour and 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. That's $7.50 a minute. Mr. Benny, and... it's against the rule to write on the walls. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sorry, officer. You can erase it. I haven't finished erasing your argument with Kenny Baker yet. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll do it myself. Now, there you are, Dennis. There are 10,080 minutes in a week. And since you get 1750 a minute, that means you're being paid $186,000 a week. Oh, boy, am I loaded. <laughs> yes, sir, $186,000. You know what that amounts to a year, kid? 
9,672,000. What do you think of that, kid? Huh? And my cousin's been snubbing me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess you can tell him off now. Well, let's go in, kid. We got a program to do. Okay, Jack. (laughs) Jack? We're both way up in the dough now. You're, you're right, kid Potatoes are cheaper Tomatoes are cheaper Hiya, Jack Hello, Eddie Now's the time to fall in love <laughs> What a ham Come on in, Dennis Let's go in We got a program to do Come on Now, folks Hey, Jackson I've been wanting to talk to you What about, Phil? Well, I'm pretty sore about last Sunday's show Now, I'm the only guy that didn't have a line in the script Well, that just happens, Phil. Sometimes you're left out. Sometimes Don's left out. Sometimes I leave myself out. That I gotta see. (laughs) What do you mean? Mary told me the only time your voice was out of the script was the day you had that bad cold. And then you had sneezes written in. (laughs) Don't be silly. You even had the script painted on Kleenex. Painted. That's printed. They're printed on Kleenex. Well, Mary would have said oh, yeah. printed on Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, Barbara. Stop exaggerating. Well, Mary said you haven't missed a line since 1912. Mary said, Mary said. That's how much she knows. In 1912, I was still in kindergarten. I'll bet you were the only kid there that used a straight razor. <laughs> Oh, you little vixen, you. <laughs> uh, Christmas is coming. Have you seen Santa, Barbara? I ad lib. I stink, really. <laughs> well, anyway, I was talking to Phil. Uh, what were you saying, Phil? Well, it's about last week's show. I didn't have no dialogue. Gee, and Alice had our little baby sitting by the radio to hear her daddy's voice. Well, she heard her daddy's music, didn't she? Yeah, and when I got home, she bit me. <laughs> oh. oh, well, Phil, after all, your music isn't as bad as that. Go argue with the kid. <laughs> well, let me tell you something, Phil. I used to pan your orchestra a lot, but this year I think it's great. I'll say it's great. Everything is great. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis... Dennis, don't let what I told you out in the hall go to your head. What happened, Dennis? Did you get your raise? Who needs a raise? I can't count the door I'm making now. <laughs> all right, all right, Dennis. Now, let's keep it quiet for a while. And now, folks... I can buy and sell you. <laughs> Dennis, what's the matter with this kid? Say, Jackson, you've been giving Dennis the routine about making so much a minute. Well, I simply showed him how much better off he is with me than selling shoes. That's all. Oh, for heaven's sake, Jack. Why don't you loosen up and give the kid a little raise? Look, it's a matter of principle, Barbara. Now, you may not know it, but I had an experience last year with one of my writers. He came to me with a heartbreaking story. Mr. Benny, I can't see very well. Will you please give me a raise so I can buy glasses? So what happened? I gave him a raise, he bought his glasses, read his contract, and left me. So go be nice to people. (laughs) Now, where was I? You know, Barbara, as a rule, I don't like to take sides, but there's no question that Jack is underpaying all of us. Do I hear a thin voice from a fat boy? (laughs) What did you say, Don? 
I said that we were all being underpaid, including me. Oh. Oh, so I'm paying you starvation wages. I suppose that stomach came with your soup. <laughs> now, listen, fellas, I've heard all I want to hear about salary and raises. This goes on every year, and I've had enough of it. Mary is satisfied. Oh, yeah? Asking for a raise gave her laryngitis. <laughs> well, Phil is satisfied. I am not. You ought to get Mr. Benny out in the hall. He's a sucker. <laughs> No, I'm not, Dennis I'm just trying to show you and everybody else How well off you are See, Rochester's been working at my house for years He's happy with his job Oh, say, Jack, that reminds me Mary spoke to Rochester about a maid yesterday And he promised to bring his niece over to see her I thought she had a maid Yeah, but she quit They had an argument about having breakfast in bed Oh Mary didn't feel like serving it to her there That's the first portion of the Jack Benny program. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Sarah Knight Adamson. I'm the national film critic for the website sarahsbackstagepass.com. I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association in L.A. and a voting member of the Critics' Choice Film Awards. Coming up next, you'll hear a film review of a movie that's playing near you. Incredibles 2, rated PG. It's animation, action, and adventure. Kids and Family by Disney's Pixar. It's the sequel to The Incredibles, the film that premiered in 2004. You know, people have been asking me if it's necessary to see the first film, and I'd say, no, not really. All you need to know is that this family of five all have superpowers. The mom, Helen, voiced by Holly Hunter, a.k.a. Elastigirl, is front and center, She's the one fighting crime, while Dad, voiced by Craig T. Nelson, stays home and cares for the kids. Let's take a listen. It's time to make some wrong things right. Help me bring supers back into the sunlight. We need to change people's perceptions about superheroes, and Elastigirl is our best play. Better than me? In order to defeat the newest villain, the family comes together all using their combined superpowers. Here's another clip. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, Dad. They want us to do it. I don't know that way. Why would they change math? Math is math. Math is math. The bottom line, I'm way in. Four stars out of four. This is a fantastic film for the entire family. Jack-Jack the Super Baby, he steals the show. Brad Bird has writing credit and he directs. Check out all of my reviews and interviews on sarahsbackstagepass.com. See you next week. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Well, next time it's the conclusion to the Jack Benny program with special guest Barbara Stanwyck. Then we'll tune into a tale on Escape. You're going to love it from 1948. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.